This is God's word, Romans chapter 5. And I'll be reading verses 5 through 11. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Song has already gone up to you. Our hearts are up to you. Our minds are in the heavenlies with you, Jesus. And we are thankful for the work that you have done on the cross to pay for our sins, to rise from the dead, to give us hope, to give us eternal life. Lord, you have done it all. You have done it all. It's all grace. And Lord, we are recipients of that grace. And so thankful. So thankful. So Lord, would you please do a great work inside of us as we study this word for us this morning. May you bless us. May you transform our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Can someone give me a Kleenex? Good night. I am already crying like crazy. So the Lord is good and faithful. And my name is Josh. I'm your preaching pastor. Apparently you're weeping pastor this morning. And uh, God is so good. And my sermon, uh, our sermon series is By Faith. Uh, oh, thank you, Brandon. Yes, very good. I might, I might need this all morning. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you got a sniffle because this is good. Where did you get that box? Oh, you kept it in the back. All right. For just such moments. You've been waiting for me to cry for a while. So our sermon series is titled By Faith. And my sermon uh, title this morning is, By Faith, We Enjoy Blessings. By Faith, We Enjoy Blessings. Last week, Steve Frerichs did such a good job laying out the blessings that we have in Christ, I thought we would just keep the party going. Amen? Because the passage just kind of keeps flowing in Romans 5, and Paul continues to lay out the blessings that we enjoy through faith in Christ. And the blessings last week that Steve pointed us to were peace with God the grace of God, and hope in God. If you remember those things, peace, grace, and hope, those were the blessings that we enjoy. And I continue to be marveling at the grace of God in this passage. Paul continues to unpack amazing truths for us, blessings that we need to appropriate into our lives by faith. They're so deep, so rich. It's such a blessing 
It's a joy. We are meant to enjoy the gospel. Can I get an amen, Christian? We are meant to enjoy it. We're not just meant to believe it. We're meant to enjoy it as we believe it. How lame is the Christian who just believes in Jesus? Yeah, I guess I'm not going to hell and I'm going to heaven and I'm not happy about it. I mean, that's a lame Christian. You are not only to believe the gospel, but you are to enjoy the gospel. John Piper said it this way, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. It's your satisfaction in God, your love of God, your enjoyment of God that glorifies him the most. So this is a good challenge. In fact, Zion, um, Zion Bate this morning was over here and he, he pulled out a quarter out of his pocket. He said, Pastor, look, look. And I said, dude, you have a quarter. And I said, let me see it. And he's like, hmm, I don't know. And I said, no, let me see. I'll give it back. And he gave it to me. And it was a 1984 quarter. I said, 1984? That's a really old quarter at this point, right? Gave it back to him. I said, that's worth a lot of money. You're rich. He's like, yeah, I am rich. I am rich. And I thought, what a good illustration of a Christian who comes with the gospel in his hands. And, and Jesus says, you're rich. And we say, how rich? Richer than you ever dreamed possible through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Amen? So not only do we believe in Christ, we must enjoy the blessings that come to us through the gospel. And for us as a culture today, we struggle with this because we're so screen-driven. We're just driven by screens and materialism and all the things that don't satisfy us. But ultimately, we, we hear about the gospel and we put down our phones and we say, oh, could this really be true? Could this good news really be true? And, and if I believe in Christ by faith, are all these blessings really mine? And the answer is a resounding yes. And that's the big idea of my passage this morning is the gospel gives true believers in Jesus many blessings to enjoy. The gospel gives believers in Jesus many blessings to enjoy. What are these blessings and how do I make them my own? Well, last week we had peace, grace, and hope. This week I've got three more blessings. There's, there's a lot more than that, but for time's sake and for the sermon's sake and for the timeliness of the morning's sermon's sake, I'm going to give you three. I encourage you to look at the passage and just dig into all of them that are there Three blessings that we enjoy through the gospel. Blessing number one is a shower of love. A shower of love. Verse five. And this hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, through whom he has given to us a shower of love. This is a blessing that we enjoy through the gospel, through faith in Christ. A Christian's hope is built on the reality that God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, pours God's love into the hearts of truly saved individuals. This is the hope of Christianity. This is an experiential pouring. This is a subjective reality. 
This is not an objective thing. Paul is getting to the heart and he is saying the blessing that you enjoy through the gospel is God's love has been, past tense, has been poured into your hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit. This means the Holy Spirit of God, if you know Christ, is pouring the love of God into your hearts on a continual basis. That is amazing. It reminds us of Romans 8, 15 and 16. Paul's going to talk about this later, where he's going to say, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. This is amazing. This is how we keep on confidently living the Christian life. You have, if you know Christ as your Savior, you have God's Spirit inside you pouring God's love, pumping God's love down into your heart all the time. And that keeps you hoping for your future because you wouldn't make it on your own. Amen? You would not make it on your own in the flesh, in this world. You would have the hope and the love sucked straight out of your soul if you tried to live this life without the Spirit of God inside of you, pouring the love of God inside of you to give you hope for the future. Here's what I mean. The idea of pouring, this word means, it's, the idea is like a, rain, a rainstorm. It's like rain coming and being poured out on parched ground, dry, drought-driven ground. I love a good rainstorm. Do you not? I, I love a good rainstorm. So every time there's a good rainstorm, I always go out on my deck or my patio or outside, wherever I'm at. I'm, I am your typical Iowan, right? When the storm comes rolling in, we go out. Amen? Amen. So whenever the storm comes in, I have watched so many storms roll into my space or my neighborhood or my area that I'm in. And I just love it. I just love the power of God seeing it come at me like that. I just love it. I remember uh, 20 years ago now, this memory is 20 years ago. It was the summer of 2000 or 2001. I can't remember, but a super dry, very hot summer in Iowa. And it was droughty and, and, and hot, and it, was, it hadn't rained for quite some time. And I remember we were up at camp, up at Clear Lake, and it was just the most, the most torturous week because it was just 90-something degrees every day. The ground was brown. There were, the grass was like not growing, hadn't grown in a long time. And everybody was just like, this is the most miserable thing. Then a storm rolled in. And I will never forget this. I was on the top of Snake Hill watching the storm roll in from the south across Clear Lake. And you could see rain walls. You know what I mean? Those rain wall, there's a rain wall coming straight at us. And it looks like this. It didn't look, this is not a picture from 20 years ago. This is just from the internet. But you know what I'm saying when you, you've seen this. All of you have seen this rain wall coming at you before. And I remember how excited I was to watch this rain wall just come. And it was a drencher. And, and not only me, the ground thankful for that water. And I will never forget watching that just come. And you knew it was coming for you and just the excitement of that moment. And that, it was an awesome scene to behold God's creation. And you know what? It was also really nutty. People were going nuts all over the place. 
Hundreds and hundreds of people are just going crazy, doing dances in the rain, running in the rain, sliding down a hill in rain. It was wild because we had been so thirsty for rain. That's the picture of how God pours his love into our hearts as Christians through the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. This is a blessing to enjoy. This is something that the Holy Spirit dumps into our lives. The love of God. And this love is greater far than any love you've ever experienced in your life. The love of God is what changes you. The love of God is what you're doing. The love of God is what saves you. The love of God sanctifies you. And it's the Spirit of God just dumping the love of God into, inside your heart. So... I hope that encourages you. That's a blessing. It's a shower of love. Point number two. Blessing number two is a miraculous rescue. Not only do we have a shower of love, we have a miraculous rescue in verse six through eight. While we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God demonstrates or shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The second blessing that we enjoy through faith in Christ is a miraculous rescue. Jesus died for the weak and the ungodly and the sinners. This is not a very flattering description of you and I. Can I get an amen? Weak, ungodly sinners. It's the exact description of how our world likes to describe strong, godly, good with God, secure future, sinner at all. I'm actually a good person at, my, at the core of my heart. The Bible says the opposite. You're weak, ungodly, and you're sinners. That moment that God demonstrated his love for us. God, that word demonstrated means he initiated. He didn't just say that he loved us. He proved that he loved us. He took action. He loved us and he initiated. And he took action. God initiated his love for us. Amen? That's what grace is. This is one of the most famous verses of the Bible, Romans 5.8. It reminds us of another verse in 1 John. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Have you ever read that verse before? God demonstrated. This means Jesus died for his enemies before they became Christians. Jesus died for us for Christians before Christians became Christians. That is love. Because most of us live in the middle of verse 7, don't we? We live in the middle of verse 7. Well, would we die for an outwardly righteous person? Maybe. What about a good person who's not as righteous, but is just a good person? We would dare to die for them. Now think about it. Sacrificial love is hard for humans, isn't it? It's hard for us to sacrifice for other people and that's people that we like. Can I get an amen? That's the people that we like and we struggle to sacrificially love them. Let alone other people, someone who's outwardly right, 
just a church person, maybe a priest or a pastor or a religious person that you know, would you lay down your life for them? No, I would not. Maybe. What about, you know, presidential candidate? What about a big business leader? What about someone who, they're not churchy, but they're, they're respected. They're followed in our, would you die for them? Would you lay your life down for them? Maybe, maybe I would dare to die. We're so, we are so sinful. We struggle to give our time, our money, our dreams, and our ambitions to someone else at the cost of our own life. We struggle with that. And yet, that is the love of God. Do you see? Do you see the difference between convenient love and sacrificial love? Do you see? It will cost you everything to follow Jesus Christ because he calls us to not convenient love. He calls us to the blessing of knowing sacrificial love. Because Christ died for us, his love was displayed. This is a miraculous rescue. He rescues us while we're still sinners. Amazing. How weak are we? Well, it's just, again, this is a lot. I'm just going to try to squeeze it in. In verse 6, it means helpless to rescue ourselves. That's what that word means. Weak. When we were weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Helpless to rescue ourselves. Imagine... You are lost in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and you have no navigation device. You are thousands of miles away from any kind of land. What would you do? I just, I just described some of your worst fears. You're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. You're by yourself. There's no flotation device. Thousands of miles away from any land. You may thrash around and yell, scream. You may try to do the dory thing and just keep swimming. But eventually you're going to drown because you're helpless. Because you're weak. Not only that, the Bible says your eyes are so blind and your ears are deaf. So you're floating around in the middle of the Pacific Ocean with no rescue, and you can't see, and you can't hear. That is what it means to be weak. And it's at that moment of weakness that Christ died for you. You get it? It's that moment, right, that he comes to you, and he rescues you. And he makes your eyes see. Do you remember Jesus? He touched people's eyes, make them see. He touched people's ears, make them hear. That's the grace of God. He comes. He touches your ears so that you can see that there's a rescue boat right over there. And he does it. When does he do it? When you're weak. That's the essence of love. John stopped way the essence of love is giving 
The costliness of the love is clear when we look at Jesus. He gave himself to the horror of the cross for helpless people. He gave his blood and died for his enemies. This is the blessing of believing in Jesus Christ by faith. We don't deserve this miraculous rescue. We are not worthy of such an effort of God to come find us in the middle of our sure death. But this is the love of God that Jesus miraculously rescues us from a certain death and we come into heaven saying, I never earned this. I could never earn this. God did it. He opened my eyes. He opened my ears. He pulled me out of the ocean, brought me into his dwelling place. This is a blessing, a miraculous rescue. Finally, the third blessing is an eternal security, an eternal security. Forgive me, I got to blow my nose again. Sorry. I, got, I should just stop crying. Amen? I should just stop, stop that. Yeah, man. Blessing three, an eternal security. Therefore, since we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. The third blessing that we have by faith in Christ is an eternal security. The phrase, much more, which is there multiple times, is key to understanding these verses. Paul is indicating that if the gospel gives the believer a shower of love and a miraculous rescue, if you get those two things, you're going to get the third thing, which is God being able and faithful to keep you saved. To keep you saved to the end of your life and into eternity. An eternal security. As you read through these verses, you can feel the already not yet language in this passage. You can just look at it. I mean, just verse 9, verse 10. We have been, that's past tense. We have been justified by his faith. That's, that already happened. We were this way. We were enemies of God. Then you see the present tense. We are, we are, right? We are justified. Then you see the future tense. We shall be. We shall be saved by his life. We shall be saved by him. That's future tense. And you start reading these two verses and you're like, my mind is blown. Is salvation past, present, or future? And I would say, yes and amen. It's all three. The already not yet tension of the gospel is with us, right? Am I, am I saved already? Yes, you are. Am I yet to be saved? Yes, you will be. Wow. What? Makes no sense. Paul wrote it. I don't know. What do you... <laughs> God means it. He exists outside of time and space. The first much more is this. Much more, much more, if God does the saving through the cross of Christ, if you've been justified by his blood, much more shall you be saved by him. Much more. If God did the hard thing of sending Jesus to the cross and dying for you and removing you from your deadness to life, then he can much more do the rest of it. Wrath is being poured out, saved from the wrath of God. Much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God. This is a future tense, right? The wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is already here in Romans chapter 1. This, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. 
But in here, it's a future tense. There's a wrath coming. There's a fullness of wrath coming on sin and pride and unbelief. And what he's saying is like, look, if Jesus can save you and pull you out of that ocean in the middle of nowhere, he can get the job done. He can save you from future wrath. He can save you from hell. He can save you from the lake of fire. He can save you from damnation. He can save you through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, and his resurrection from the dead. If you are justified right now, much more shall you be saved in the future. If Christ has done the hard thing by sending his son, if he's done the thing on the cross, he's going to be able to carry you all the way home. If he provides a miraculous rescue for you, he won't lose you. If he comes to the middle of the Pacific Ocean and saves you, right? He's not going to save you from that moment and five miles back to the land say, whoopsie, sorry, dropped you. That's not our Jesus. If he pulls you out of that ocean, you're, you're safe. Forever. From this life and the life to come. That's eternal security. That's amazing. What about reconciliation? Much more, much more. We were enemies. We were reconciled to God. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Reconciliation, what is that? It's like one of those Christian terms, right? What is that? It means enemies becoming friends. You used to be an enemy of God. Now through Christ, you're a friend of God. The idea here is if Jesus did the hard thing of making you an enemy, his friend, he will carry his friend home. If you're a friend of God through Jesus, he'll be your friend. Like forever. How many of you have lost friendships? Everybody. Friendships go in and out and up and down and sometimes we portray our relational friendship situation onto God, God must be that way. Jesus must, he might be able to let me go. I better, I better work really hard. I better persevere because it's all on me. I could lose my salvation at any time. This passage screams, no, you will never lose your salvation. If Jesus befriends you through salvation and faith, he will carry you home by his power. Finally, our response to all these blessings. What is our response to these blessings of a shower and and an amazing, miraculous rescue and eternal security? Our response to this blessing is verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our response is very simple. We rejoice. Why? Because God who starts the work is faithful to complete it. And I just want to lay out two verses for you before we close. One is Philippians 1.6. For I'm convinced of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Church, that is, that is so encouraging. Because some of you might be like, I'm a Christian. Will I make it? Will I make it to the end? According to Philippians 1.6, if you're truly Jesus's, he'll bring you home. He'll, he'll make sure that you will make it to the end. That's an amazing promise. All grace 
All grace. What about Romans 8, 28 through 30? For we know this, that those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that we might become the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. It is unbelievable how much God will carry us home, right? When we can't keep running, Jesus will be like, I got you. Two songs and I'll close. Matt Redman wrote a song, You Never Let Go. And his, his lyrics go like this. Oh, no, you never let go. Through the high and through the low. Oh, no, you never let go. Lord, you never let go of me. You never let go in the calm and in the storm. Oh, no, you never let go. Lord, you never let go of me. And George Matheson wrote a hymn titled, Oh, Love That Will Not Let Me Go. And he said this, Oh, Love That Will Not Let Me Go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, and in its ocean depths, its flow shall richer, fuller be. The gospel gives true believers in Jesus many blessings to enjoy. I pray that you'll enjoy them now. Right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Amazing grace. Makes us emotional, Lord. Makes us thankful. Because we could never earn this grace. This grace is given to us as a gift. Lord, the blessings of the gospel. We just covered three. There are thousands and thousands of blessings that come to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. But Lord, may we take these three and may we internalize them for our own hearts. Lord, no, no doubt many Christians here are weary. They've lost hope. They're just trying to grind it out. They're not enjoying you, but they're here. And Lord, would you work in their hearts that, that you are not just to be trusted to get people out of hell. You are to be trusted and you are to be enjoyed. So Jesus Christ, may, may you work in the heart of every Christian to surrender to these blessings. And may you just do a whole new thing, a whole new work of sanctification right now. And Lord, for anybody here that does not yet know Jesus, may this be the morning that they trust fully in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And Lord, may you do it for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen.